they might not know what to say to someone dealing with anxiety or depression, but having the words there of somebody who's living it or just having that is, is a huge support. Michelle Young is an author, a wife, a mom, and an advocate for mental health. Struggling with anxiety and depression has been something that Michelle experiences often and has channeled her experiences with mental health and infertility into her writing in hopes to help people feel less alone. Welcome to The Safe Haven. I'm your host, Amanda Lytle. The Safe Haven offers a collection of conversations about life's challenges and the pivots that we make in order to keep moving forward. Michelle and her husband and their daughter live in Ottawa. A busy mom, Michelle sits on a board of directors for the Writing Champions and has published three books. Through her poetry and novels, Michelle finds sparks of inspiration in her daily activities and her life experiences. Originally, she thought that she was writing for a specific target audience, but has learned that her books reach far more people than women in their 30s and 40s. Healing through writing and bringing light to the darker and more invisible things that we experience, Michelle weaves her own memories and the stories of others into her characters and the plot lines of her books, offering words of love, compassion, and understanding. We dive into the conversation today with the question, have you always been a writer? No, um, I took a writing course when I was in high school, um, which kind of sparked it. And uh, when I was in university, I discovered I had a pretty severe learning disability and that led to me reading a lot just to kind of work around it Mm -hmm. and reading a lot uh, sparked my interest in language and wanting to write more and uh, I just started to write and just recently in the last uh, four years uh, three or four years I started writing with the goal of publishing Mm -hmm. what ended up happening is I got diagnosed with infertility and then um, I was 23 at the time and I walked into one of the major bookstores and asked for books on infertility and they didn't have anything. So basically I went home and I started, you know, thinking this isn't right. There should be resources like for people like me who go to books first Mm -hmm. to, to get help. So I thought, well, if there's no book out there, I'm just going to write my own story. It's not going to be perfect in any way, but it's going to be real. And it's what I'm going through. And then I I wrote it as a poetry form because that's how it, it came. And it was, uh, easier for me to do because I'd already written a few poems just just because I was keeping them on my phone and everything and I had just read Milk and Honey by Ruby Core mm-hmm. and I was like oh this is great like this I didn't know this existed so I could do this and um, so I just started putting it together and it took about a year and uh, yeah it was great it was like a, a collection of my infertility journey my my past abusive relationship uh, my journey with mental health and also my adoption journey um, so it kind of combined everything together so that was salt and light and that was my first published book and it kind of opened the door to all the other books and um, I tend to write a lot about the same subjects in all my books just because it's what I know and it's what I've lived and I feel like I can share my experience through that um, and hopefully help other people just by having it in written form is just so different than, you know, you can hear about it. You can, 
if you read about it, it's like, oh my gosh, that's like, so like me. Mm -hmm. So, so I'm just trying to, I don't know, like my first book signing for Salt and Light, I had expectations of who my target audience was going to be. And it turned out so different. Really? Oh my goodness. I was, I thought it would be like, women in their 30s or you know mid 20s 30s maybe who are thinking about starting a family or or whatnot but the people that ended up talking to me and buying my books were in their 60s 70s 80s men no way men yeah because depression is not something that they've often felt free to talk about openly and so having it in poetry form short form poetry it just kind of like reached out to them and they were like you know I can read this put it away come back to it so again and again every book signing I'm just blown away that this is the people that buy the books yeah so it's been it's been very neat Mm mm-hmm I'm always interested in knowing what it is that keeps a writer moving forward. Because from what I understand, authors go through ebbs and flows with inspiration. Have you experienced that as well? Oh, so I used to worry all the time if I didn't have an idea going. But my husband said it really well once. He said, you know, there's seasons for different things. Like there's seasons where you're supposed to just sit and think about it and there's seasons where you're going to write and there's seasons where you're going to read and I believe that so much now because and I I've stopped worrying because something always comes up and it comes at odd times but it always comes and typically you know if I've been having a really rough patch where my depression hit really hard I've started to see it now as like okay I wonder what I'm going to be writing next Mm. because it's going to be really good because this huge wave of depression brings about a bunch of insight and and a bunch of emotion that I can then turn and use towards my writing. And it makes it just that much more deep and raw. And so I use it and it, yeah, it's sometimes like an idea will come and I literally have to stop what I'm doing just to write it down or else I'll lose it. Mm And other times it just, it's like peeking through the curtain. I just get this tiny image. Um, Like my latest book, I haven't published it yet, but it was literally a two second vision I had. And I I stopped and I'm like, oh, this is something, this is a book, Mm -hmm. but it was so small. I'm like, how am I going to do this? Mm -hmm. And I just had to let it sit there and wait till the rest came. And it took a really long time, um, like six months before like I, I just start asking myself questions like, well, why did this happen? Who's behind it? How did they end up there? And then asking more questions about it ends up kind of creating the storyline. Um, but sometimes it can take quite a bit of time to get there. And sometimes it goes nowhere and that's fine. But I find uh, just being curious about it opens that up to, oh, maybe there's a book here. So. Mm-hmm. I'm curious about your move, the book that I read. And that was the one that actually I had, I was like, Hey, Michelle, send me this so I can read it before we talk. (laughs) And so I'm so curious now knowing a little bit about where your inspiration comes from and how long it can be between Mm -hmm. an idea and the actual production of a book. In what ways do your experiences weave into your books? I guess like, how would you be able to mirror what's going on in your life into your books? 
Okay. So, so every single book has a little bit of me in it, of course, Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's mental health or motherhood Mm -hmm. or, you know, I had a miscarriage. So I talked about that in some books and I just kind of pick different parts of my, myself, my personality, my experiences, and I put it in uh, the different characters, you know, like whether it's someone's house Mm -hmm. I knew when I was growing up or a party I went to in high school or something Mm -hmm. like that. I'll, I'll put it in there and weave it into the story, but your move was an interesting start because it was my first, it was my debut novel. And I was like, can I actually do this? This is, this is quite big um, project. And I started out uh, writing with my sister-in-law. She was doing a work project uh, for school and needed to practice her writing. And we just started sending each other pieces of writing back and forth. And I just love the story so much that I was just like, do you think I can turn this into a novel? Like, can I take this idea and like make something with it? So that's, it took me a year to get it out. And I really wanted something that had a big message in it. Um, So all my books have like a, a bigger message as part of it. And this one is kind of like a me too story. Mm-hmm. Not that it affects me specifically, but it, it affects a lot of people. So I just wanted to make their voices heard mm-hmm. in that sense. And like, I, I personally know a lot of people that that's their story. So I was just like, you know, they might not talk about it, but I can without <laughs> identifying them in any way. But it's just, it's just bringing it to light and just making it like this does happen and it's unfortunate, but it doesn't mean you're, you're weak or anything. Like I just wanted a really strong character Mm -hmm. and yeah, I try to have that most of the time if possible and just showcase like the inner strengths, uh, whether it's mental or physical strengths. Um, I like to play with that a lot. Oh, I love that. Can I ask about where salt and light came from? Like the title? (laughs) So salt and light is from the Bible, um, Matthew 5, and it means that we are the salt of the earth and like the flavor of the earth and that the light guides our path and all all that. And Mm. I can't remember if I was getting, uh, if I was doing my profession of faith at the time or whatnot, but it just, I really wanted to bring my faith in my writing and honor God that way. So the fir- the two poetry books I've written have like an undertone of Christianity to it. Mm-hmm. So both titles are taken from Bible verses. Um, but Salt and Light, um, the other way I saw it was, it's kind of, I, I, well, the book is actually divided in those two sections. Um, so Salt represented my past and like Salt of in the Wounds kind of thing, like the pain. Um, which is why it's in the black portion Mm. of the cover. And then light is uh, representing like my healing process, uh, the faith, the hope. Um, So the poems are divided in those two ways. So it's neat because there's some really raw stuff in there. Mm. And there's also some encouraging stuff that speaks to to anyone. So it's, Mm. It's been an amazing book to, you know, I had to be very vulnerable when I put it out there. Yeah. It's really scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, first time I shared my story with anybody. And so many times I almost 
didn't want to do it. But then I kept thinking about how I was when I was younger and how I would have needed this. And um, just with the infertility stuff, it's, mm-hmm. it's one of those things that's not talked about often and it's invisible and just like mental health. And, and I just like enough with this invisible mm-hmm. stuff and people are dealing with this and even if it helps just one person, then, then it'll be great. And it has, so it's been worth it. It makes me wonder about how you're able to weave aspects of your own life into the stories and the characters and what they're going through with the knowledge that you have of the readers from Salt and Light being Mm -hmm. older men has yeah. that yeah so interesting <laughs> has that swapped how you picture your intended audience at all uh not really because so the men tend to be at book signings more like in person if i look at my statistics on instagram which is where i do most of my where i connect the most with readers on there it's a completely different audience um so it's like women like so that audience fits better with um what the target audience I had in my head when I published Mm -hmm. at first but in terms of who is purchasing it uh or who I'm talking to at book signings it's kind of changed over time but the first book Salt and Light was definitely mind-blowing how different my perception was but uh since then it's been um like the readers have mostly been women, mm-hmm. which fits really well because the subjects I'm talking about, you know, motherhood and pregnancies and, and all that. Like it's, you know, I always try to have an aspect for men in there. And I think a lot of men have enjoyed reading your move and the next books that are coming up, but yeah, mostly for women right now. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that, that doesn't really answer your question, but um, it's, it's kind of changed. Yeah. I No, it totally answers it. I think maybe what I was wondering is because I, I recognize that you're writing with your own ideas of how you can talk about some really big topics in your work. But I'm wondering mm-hmm. if or maybe. OK, so maybe the question would be is if there has been dialogue between your readers and you over the course of this process that has really sparked more ideas or has inspired you in some way to maybe address something a little bit more deeply or a little bit more raw or has that happened? Yeah, well, well, there, there was that one conversation that really struck me that stayed with me, the seven-year-old man who just had no outlet and, you know, had been dealing with depression for years and, you know, was holding my book like so tight. Mm. And I was just like, okay, well, this is something that we need to talk about more, like this age group and what they deal with and how they couldn't talk about it or felt like they couldn't talk about it. And I at one point felt like I couldn't talk about it and you know I was much younger than him so I I just felt for him because I could relate so I tried to give them a voice in my books so funnily enough there has been older characters in my stories Mm -hmm. and they deal with things and it's related to that in a way Uh, without like I'm just thinking of it now like I didn't intentionally do it but I guess I did I wrote it in that way so they'd have a voice that's interesting yeah 
You just mentioned something that made me think of an article that you wrote in 2018 about talking about depression with your daughter. Are you able to elaborate on that for us? Yeah. Um, so I adopted my daughter in 2016. And so she was about two years old at the time of the article, but I was going through a really rough mental health crisis at the time, just a little bit of attachment uh, issues due to the adoption, uh, which is totally typical, normal, but also just influenced by my previous history with depression. So it was just like dealing with it over again as a mom Mm -hmm. and not having the time to take the days to myself like I I would have in the past just to like get that rest and and heal and stuff on my own because I was you know having to be there for her and I really felt like I wasn't allowed to show that side of me to her like I I guess I was still seeing it as a weakness at that point where I was just afraid of what she would think of me and how I was handling it because you know you're supposed to be the role model the example And I wasn't handling things the way I thought I should be. And it was just a very sweet moment when I think it was earlier that day she'd gotten hurt and I ended up putting a bandaid on her to, you know, fix her bubble. And, and then I always have like headaches attached to like, there's always physical things that happen with my mental health crisis, like headaches, uh, insomnia, all this stuff. And uh, that particular day I had an insane migraine and I was just crying and I couldn't handle the pain. And it had been a, a rough couple of days. I, I can't remember exactly, but she was so sweet. She wanted to put a bandaid on my head to help fix mm-hmm. essentially my depression. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was so sweet. And that's when I realized that, you know, it's okay for her to see me like this like it's okay for her to see me cry it's okay for her to you know to her level like I was like you know I'm having a a rough time and now she knows that there's certain times where like if it's a gray day like if the sky is really gray I have headaches and so that's a physical thing but there's days where I'm just I just have to be straight with her like okay this is this is a hard day for me doesn't mean I'm not gonna be there doesn't mean I'm not gonna be fun but it just it just lets her know and and she's felt like she can open up about it too you know her big emotions four-year-old now going through life and especially during this time with the pandemic and stuff like she's experienced some pretty strong emotions Mm -hmm. just based on the experiences she's living through right now Mm -hmm. and I think just me being so open about how I'm feeling has allowed her to be open as well, Mm -hmm. which has been really sweet. But yeah, I I just happened to write that experience like that day. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. And I sent it to uh, the Globe and Mail. And then a few months later, they got back to me and it was going to go through. So I wasn't expecting anything out of it. I just saw it. Well, like how many other moms are dealing Mm -hmm. with mental health issues and we're so but I was so ashamed to talk about it, especially like there's this stigma as with adoption that you're not allowed to like have these feelings because you're so lucky to have adopted. And like, but that's not true. It happens. And it's just, and I don't like the word lucky, but it doesn't mean that you're not going to struggle. It doesn't mean that it's not going to be hard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not always rainbows and, and it's a huge change in a life as well. And it's an an adaptment. And Mm -hmm. anyway, so it was, 
a turning point for me, definitely. Um, Salt and Light had already been released at that point, but I just wanted to talk about it as a, as a mom, I guess, um, reach out to other moms just to let them know. It's always about letting people know they're not alone mm-hmm. and that it's okay how they're feeling and just acknowledging their feelings. I found so much resonated with me even. I've never been a mom. I've never adopted. I've never dealt with depression. Like there's there's all of these things that I couldn't necessarily relate to, but what I could relate to or what I pulled away from it is the importance of being able to communicate how you're feeling and honor your emotions. Because I think that that's yeah. such a, an important thing to talk about. So I'm hoping to hell that that thing recirculates because I feel like now more than ever, people need to understand that it is okay to not be okay. We are going through a lot and that being in touch with your emotions or, or you know, allowing your emotions to come through as authentically as needed mm-hmm. in a moment is so important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that your daughter is so lucky to have you and be able to, because I think for her growing up, seeing you as a model to communicate emotions and be really in touch with how you're feeling in a moment is going to help her so much. Yeah. Yeah. I see that now, but at the time it just felt like, oh no, like I have to go hide in a closet or something Mm. to, to have my meltdown, but it was important. And I realized that that day, how important it was for her to see it all, Mm -hmm. you know, the good and the bad. And this is all of me. I can't hide half of me. That's just not real. So yeah, it was a big lesson for me and Mm -hmm. uh, it was a very cool experience to share with her. Mm -hmm. What are some things that pull you out of some bad days? What are some things or some rituals or some routines that you have that help you regulate? Um, so walking is a huge one for me whenever it's been like a week or two, because the depression anxiety comes in waves for me and it comes for big chunks of time, usually a month or so. And, uh, yeah, walking exercise, any kind of exercise is, is huge. Reevaluating, you know, sleep patterns and diet and all that. And I really love having a oils diffuser, mm-hmm. <laughs> like essential oils. Mm-hmm. That's, that's been like a little treat every day. I, so I have it on all the time and I actually have two in my house now and music. And just sometimes it's just like asking for help. This, this is a new thing for me. I didn't used to do that very much or very well, but now I'm starting to just reach out and ask and take a bit of time just for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, like there were times where I would go like a week or two without showering because it was so bad. Yeah. And And not because I, you know, I was just, I couldn't even do that. And I wasn't reaching out for help at the time. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't seeing how bad it was getting, basically. So now I feel like having written the books about this, it opened up a conversation. And ultimately, that was kind of the point. It was just, I can't hide anymore. Mm -hmm. So I'm just gonna put it out there. It's gonna be out there. And I'm gonna have to talk about it. And I find that by talking about it, it's made me more comfortable with it. This is this is part of who I am. It's not anything I need to be ashamed of. It's just, it's something that happened, it's there. And the more people know about it, the better. And then it's it just starts that conversation about what it's really like and what it's like for me. And if they don't know what to do to help, just knowing that I struggle with this, it, it's just like, if I start talking about it now, it's not this big shock. It's not this, 
I just have to be like, I, I need your help. Could you come mm-hmm. over? Like, yeah, it's been very helpful to have that as a, as a resource almost mm-hmm. to just like, I've seen people just gifting the books to people they know because they might not know what to say to someone dealing with anxiety or depression, but having the words there of somebody who's living it or just having that is, is a huge support. And it just shows the person how much they care that they went out of their way to find a book that talks about something. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, it's been a really cool journey. So much of what you're doing and even those gestures of people, you know, spreading your work around, it's it's just helping people feel less alone. And that's what the world needs Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have three safe haven style questions for you. You Okay. Okay. Yes. What are you most proud of? Uh, Becoming a mom. Mm. Uh, That was a a really like, I don't know if that even fits that question, but it was something I wanted for so long and so many prayers and um, such a difficult path. And uh, yeah, it's probably the thing I'm most proud of Mm -hmm. um, just how I finally got there. And my daughter's just an amazing little girl and I just learned so much from her Mm -hmm. and Yeah. I was going to say that earlier about how I bet you she will teach you so much in this lifetime that you could never even imagine. It's unbelievable the stuff, like just her love of life and the questions, like she's Mm -hmm. so smart. It's, it's amazing sometimes what she comes up with and what she connects and yeah, the questions she has for me blow me away. And she copies a lot of what I do mm-hmm. so I get to learn through her eyes <laughs> yeah what to do and what not to do <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious yeah. sometimes I'm like do I really talk like yeah. that but <laughs> yeah it's like a little mirror they mimic <laughs> oh yeah oh I love that what would you like to be known for um I really want to be able to help people um so for me, writing is, is so fun and it's way more than it's, it's a passion. It's, it's what I want my career to be, but ultimately I want to be able to help people through it. So Mm -hmm. if it, if someone can resonate with something I've written and just not feel alone through Mm -hmm. it, whether that's through the poetry or through the novels, I think there's something so cool about connecting with a book I've written or I've read some pieces um, from books and I have to like stop reading and put it aside and just like absorb that. Like, wow, I didn't know other people thought like that. So it it just connects you with them character or with the author even. And it's so special. So I would love to know that people are connecting to my writing that way. Mm -hmm. And if you had a message for everyone listening, what would it be? So there might be obstacles in your life, um, whether it's mental health or infertility or even learning disability, and your dreams might seem out of reach, but there is a way to to get there. And it might not look the way that everyone else is doing because it's not your way. Mm-hmm. And your own experiences, your own story is going to be so much better than you can imagine if you just honest with yourself and if you appreciate everything even the bad something you can learn and how you can transform it is what matters and how you react to it and 
where it can lead and how many people you can help with what happened or what you know. So just share what you know and make something beautiful with it. Mic drop. <laughs> that was really beautiful. <laughs> that was so, so beautiful. Thanks. Thank you for that. Where can people find you online? Um, so my best platform to reach me is through Instagram. Mm -hmm. So my handle is at uh, Michelle Young Author. And it's actually the same handle for Facebook. I have a Facebook page and uh, my website, michelleyoungauthor.com. Um, so those are the best ways to get in touch. Michelle, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for opening up being vulnerable with us and for just doing the work that you do, helping people feel less alone and starting some really crucial conversations. To everyone listening, I recognize the privilege that comes with my platform and I am committed to creating a safe, brave and inclusive space with intention. If this episode has hit you right in the heart or inspired you in any way, please screenshot the screen while you're listening, send it to your friends and share it in your Instagram stories. Please be sure to tag us at the Safe Haven Podcast so that we can personally thank you for it. If you're able to write a review or leave a juicy five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, that really helps this podcast grow. For more great podcasts, check out FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com and I will talk to you next week.